Hello and welcome to The Testing Peers. Tonight we're going to be talking about how did QA miss this? So we're going to be looking at how bugs were left into software or products and the blame then comes back to us and how we then deal with that. So on tonight's episode we have Simon. Hello. Chris. Hi there. Russell. Hello. And myself, David. We are delighted to be sponsored by Saffron QA. Saffron QA are specialists in testing recruitment and they provide a range of bespoke recruitment services to organisations across the UK. For further details about Saffron QA, please see the show notes or visit saffronqa.co.uk. So before we get into the main topic, Chris. I was initially thinking that it would be quite apt for us to be talking about misheard lyrics, but we've done that already, which is devastating because... I miss doing fun topics like that. So I thought instead we'd talk about things that we miss. What I mean by that is maybe things we had in our a past workplace or even back in school days that was something that we've never quite been able to recreate wherever we've gone. And you, you look back fondly at that place you worked and think that was a really good thing we had. And I and I haven't had that back. So I'm not I'm not talking explicitly about remote versus in office, but something you had at a workplace. I can see everybody looks ready and primed for these things. Has anybody got anything, or shall I just carry on talking? It's not a physical thing that I miss from my one of my odd jobs, but I do miss the. I used to enjoy doing the outreach stuff, the outreach of going out to schools and talking students from a STEM perspective and being able to do that as part of my job was always great fun that's something I've definitely missed since and it's something I sort of almost reach out for still I still try to want, want to know if I can help out at schools and, and do different stuff for charities and whatever else so and there's a book you've written isn't there Simon is there on a security for children I have written a book for children it's not been published yet because I can't find an illustrator so um yeah I'd, I'd love to get it published have you not seen Chris's uh, MS Paint skills? Well, that is an option, I guess. And with Amazon doing the self-publishing now as well, I could literally just get Chris to do a few doodles and then uh, get the book out there. So maybe that's an option. Iteration one. You always upgrade <laughs> the images later. And if you're looking for continuous improvement, you could definitely improve on whatever I could do. I couldn't improve on it, definitely. For me, it's a physical thing, actually. From one of my work, when I left a company, they gave me one of these gimmicky sort of fake water cooler type things so you fill the big water bottle thing and you had it on your desk and so you could just fill your water and uh yeah i i miss that because i don't drink as much water as i used to but it was very useful to fill it at the beginning of the day and you knew that you had to empty that particular thing so for me it was that because i don't have that anymore so for me it's lunching so i've worked a couple of times in city center office locations the ability to just wander into the local town with different people for different sort of foods, and go to the pub on a Thursday or, and have a pub lunch. And the sort of traditions that come up with that sort of environment, like Tuesday is Subway Day and Weatherspoon's Fri- um, Friday and things like that. And that sort of camaraderie that comes from completely non-work environment related chat and fun, really. Yeah, that, that reminds me actually of my old place. We used to go to the pub every Friday lunchtime. And some of the guys would sit there from 12 till three because it was Friday afternoon. They weren't too worried about getting back to the office, but, you know, but it was always the time where the patents got created. 
And you'd literally see people jotting down notes on the back of a beer mat and then taking it back to the office and typing it up in the system as a, as a patent and getting a, yeah, it was a hotbed for innovation. We're lucky because we have a can. Well, we did, had a canteen. We still have a canteen on on site, and and that is exactly that. You know, people mixed within the company, and loads of ideas come out of that impromptu meeting. And there's a certain level of of sort of serendipity and and a spark of innovation and stimulation that you get from those sorts of things, isn't there? We actually um, had a pub on site at Codemasters Campus, and it was called the Masters Arms. For the most part, we didn't go because we weren't paid enough money to be able to afford the beer. Um, so that isn't really what I miss. But but for, from from working there, actually, the the camaraderie with with a lot of the other guys was really great. And we would play games, but games we actually enjoyed playing at lunchtime. And so did they have to be Codemasters games? Yeah, they did not, and they were not. Be it the likes of sort of Tekken, Street Fighter, Rock Band. Smackdown versus Raw, all of those sorts of games are being played en masse, either in tournaments or or just as, as in groups, just having fun. FIFA as well was being played a lot. And I and I, I sort of missed that sort of thing. And I know you can sort of duplicate playing those games online now, but it's that thing that even, even though I've worked in lots of offices since then, we never had any, anything like that. And I do miss that. I do look back at, fondly at those things and I, I miss it. But moving on, smooth segue, how did QA miss this was actually suggested to us by one of our good friends, uh, Mr. Colin Nee. Hi, Colin. Thank you very much for your um, tweet on about it. And he'd actually, he'd post a tweet. I'll read it for you. So it just says, another day, another how did QA miss this fiasco? Another defensive man, I don't know, apart from calling it out in September and this chain with 47 emails saying the design was a bad idea from day one and bringing it up lots, lots since then, I guess we really dropped the ball. Now there's a lot of stuff we can go into on that particular situation, but he tagged us in and said, maybe it's one we could dissect here. So I thought let's go for it. How did QA miss this? Have we got any stories? Have we got any sort of advice? Where do we want to start? Have any of us actually seen this in real life? Yes, definitely have. Seen uh, it. Yes, yes, absolutely. Regularly. Let's start there. Go for it. Go on, Russell. So I've seen it happen from sort of directors, executive vice presidents asking that sort of question down. And I've also seen kind of senior managers, people above me, who aren't testers by trade, defending and saying, it's not how QA missed it. It's how did we all miss this? Why is it there? What happened? And I've seen that work quite well because it has kind of protected the team but I have also seen the people that are closer to the team utter those words and I think every time I've ever seen it or heard it I should say it's challenged because it's the wrong attitude and in software and teams no one person is responsible for any one failure failures of complicated systems are generally complex yeah I would agree and I think I've had experiences along the lines of know that being said by senior management senior leadership to the team of you know why did test why did the testing miss it why was it not tested i've seen people face the consequences of misses getting into production which wasn't pleasant i've seen suppliers be berated because of their quality of their testing because they've missed something all stemming from the fact that as as it always seems to be in in, in these scenarios 
the first port of call to blame is the testers because they're the last in in the old-fashioned waterfall model which even if we believe we're agile in our own environments the powers that be still work in the understanding the model of testers are at the end so therefore testers are the last people that would have touched this code so therefore they're the they're the ones that are responsible for it and the amount of time i've spent defending those kind of scenarios i've lost count now it's trying to push back as russell said it's, it's a collaborative thing why are we not looking at whether the requirement was missed why are we not looking if the dev interpreted the requirements in the right way etc cetera, etc cetera. yeah i would echo the same thing any comments like that of how to qa miss this should be flown back it's, it's a collaborative thing just because the buck stops or seems to stop in that particular scenario with qa actually it was built into it at an earlier stage so the fact that it was missed it was missed by everyone and we've then got to sort of rate it as to to how likely it was going to happen in real life and and the reasons why and, and there's always there shouldn't be a blame culture however you know when when i've missed bugs i take it quite personally at times and i know that, that i shouldn't however because i feel passionate about it I, I want to make sure that i've tried to give the best quality product but it can be things like russell said a complex system sometimes these complex systems need as much management and organization as the actual product itself because they get things are getting so much more complex and so therefore the, with the complexity of the test system so they need to they're testing complex software as well or products and there are bound to be things that that go through you know it can't be 100 percent bug free it never will be so there will always be some bugs that QA miss. However, it depends on the severity of those bugs as to how bad it is. And hopefully QA will be able to get most of the severe bugs, but there might always be that 1% or 0.1% chance that something slips through. And it, like we said, it's not QA's fault. It's the fact that the overall system or whatever it was built in in the first place, whether that was from requirements right from the start or right at the end where the small bug you know a small tweak may have affected something that had already been tested might have a knock-on effect um it's one it's quite a funny one really where you can blame something that's been created on somebody who didn't create it in in that sense and i know we've been talking about sort of whole team ownership but maybe there's a a knock-on on 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 sort of what what's your team culture and and those things going forward and i I know we'll touch on that in a future episode but have you noticed sometimes that depending on the quality of the product or the quality of the product that you're producing isn't necessarily the thing that makes you upset when a bug or something bad is found with it in in production but rather how the relationship with risk and bugs and things has been handled through development because sometimes you can be you're finding issues and you're creating things and you're shouting up and advocating for things that are fixed and people go nah edge case not a problem not going to happen in real life that's not a problem they'll go through or we'll we'll hot fix this and we'll get this bin or somebody goes nothing's really going to be affected here because i'm only touching this bit of code so don't worry about it and you can get ground down to the point where the pride you take in the product on which you're working and therefore, the number of expletives that you can give 
when something is found in production, that changes. And while I'm always gutted when there's public problems in a product that I've been working on, and I have friends who make no qualms about sending me messages about it when those things go live and go, oh, didn't you work on this thing? Thanks, friends. But you can you can get that sort of that feeling of, yeah, bugs happen. That's life, that's software. But I, I think ultimately the thing that gets me is more how much I care about it. And and that has that's because of the way that the project has actually been run. And so I'm trying, I'm sort of pulling a bit of a segue here. I apologize. That is very much about balancing what you expect because you want perfect product with what is needed. If you're doing a proof of concept, if you're doing kind of a, I hate using the word minimum viable product type concepts, or, you know, if you're doing something that is going to control someone's life, it's controls of an aeroplane, the levels of quality are different and you've got to find and reconcile with yourself that balance point. I was going to talk about a story, an RCA, which caused analysis of a production bug. And we did it, went into the, we had the devs, we had the testers, we had some of the product owners type thing in this meeting. The tester came out and said, yep, completely my fault. I cocked up, all on me. Definitely, I should have tested that. It's obvious I should have tested that, I should have tested it. And we had to go through kind of like trying to say, oh, well, let's just, let's just look at this holistically. Let's just not look at that. There's an element that says, yes, you should have maybe done some checks around that area okay why weren't those checks done what was the thing that made you not want to do that and what other things could have potentially caught this not just you at the end but what earlier in the process would have prevented this actually even being a miss and even by the end of it that person was adamant it was their fault and sometimes we can take things to heart to chris's point and it's not in our best interest or the field's best interest or anything else. Because in this particular issue, yes, the guy could have done the test, but then the dev could have spotted it and written a unit test for it. Someone could have highlighted the fact that this is a really important part of it, and then it could have been an acceptance criteria somewhere. Another tester could have found it somewhere else and so on. There are many different layers in which this could have been found for many different things. It wasn't regression, it was a new feature. So regression wouldn't have come into it, but that point that all these little places play a thing if someone had a conversation and said oh have you thought of this that could have triggered it you, you can't blame yourself for the ideas you can't think of because if you start going down that road everything is your fault forevermore every decision you have to second guess you've got to avoid that but yeah doing that root cause analysis was really painful because it was trying to persuade the tester it wasn't their fault even though everyone else in the room was standing up saying it was partly my fault it's, it's easy to look for something's gone wrong, someone is to blame. Mm. And I think, again, touching on culture, realistically, we have to say something went wrong. And we've said that maybe some of us to blame, maybe all of us to blame. But this is a learning opportunity. How can we make sure this doesn't happen again? How can we ensure that going forwards, we can, we can do, the, do things better? And this, this has come up in our bad channel in, in Testing Peers Slack. And, you know, I won't, won't go into the details, but we know a, a bug was found in production and we said, like, this is, this is like a facepalm moment, but actually it's an opportunity to say, well, what can we learn from this? How can we apply this to what we're doing now? Are there other things that we can avoid 
happening and going live in the future. Like when we talk about positive and negative effects on people and things, putting positive spins on things legitimately has a positive impact on things. If, if, you're, if you're always negative and always blaming, that's like a, a divisive, dividing way of working. And, and suddenly if you're motivated to try and avoid bad things rather than motivated to make things better, you're probably not going to make a better product. Yeah, I, I would agree. I think from my, from my experience, I've got a couple of scenarios that I'll talk briefly go through, or at least one of them, but the, it comes down to really an imbalance in understanding of risk or how risk is perceived. Because you may find that the team on the ground are very much, this is a risk, we, you know, we've, we've alleviated all the major risks. You guys mentioned earlier about things being an edge case. Scenario particularly that I, I was going to come to is there was this edge case that we talked about from a test perspective a few years ago now with the developers when we identified it at the very start of a project in the design phase we're like what about this you know this is a particular thing have you thought about this scenario and they're like oh no no that's not going to happen that's a that's a real edge case that'll never happen in the field unbeknown to them actually they'd not covered they'd not looked at the code behind it needing to be available on a mac version whatever with a particular browser etc etc and actually they'd not checked the analytics and actually this this version was still very 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 prevalent it wasn't the most prevalent but it was very prevalent and it just came to that no 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 and we're not going to worry about that it's, it's not prevalent we don't need it's going to mean we're going to need to refactor the code to this extent we're not going to be able to do that it's not going to fit in the time scales we need to get delivery out so we're not going to do it and that was a decision made and there was an email thread that backed that up and i i'd said okay well we've raised this with you acknowledge that we've sent this to you and you know the project went on we did all the testing we didn't do any great amount of testing on that os version because we were told it's not going to happen and then bang guess what happens when it goes live and guess what happened the next day phone call at six o'clock in the morning why was this not tested why does your team not test this and i'm like hang on a minute let me take that email thread out and i'll go back to it and it ended up it got I wouldn't say it got nasty, but there was a lot of big discussions about the fact that that should have been covered. We should have coded it to be that. So the blame straight away diverted away from being a test thing because although we weren't there to finger point, we were able to say we did raise this. It was a risk that we called out at the very start and we were told it wasn't an issue. But it still doesn't stop that first knee-jerk reaction of why did you not test it? Reaction's still bad, isn't it? When it's going exactly. just pointed at the finger at somebody else, that's yeah. not the culture you want to be in. Exactly. There was a mistake made. Someone made a choice. Someone made a decision. <laughs> yeah. Didn't use data to back it up. Yeah. And, and someone else disagrees with it who was more senior by the sounds of it. Yeah. Literally common scenario, I think, as well, isn't it? It is. And it, like you say though, it's it's that collaboration that's important. It's that, okay, we've learned from this and that I I've had a few scenarios more recently where it's not been anywhere near as major issue, but there's been a concern raised that the testing wasn't thorough enough and we should have done more testing. And whether that was that's true or not, what it has encouraged is a more thorough review of what testing is being done. And although it, it's not great to have too many checks in place, having enough checks and, and balances in place to, to be able to know holistically yes, we're confident we're doing enough testing and not just trusting one person to go away and do the tests and leaving it to it. 
having some kind of accountability within the test team and within the wider delivery teams that everyone's happy with the amount of testing being done does then bring a collaborative approach. And that's that's certainly been a positive spin on some of the things that have happened recently. I want to echo as well what people have said before. Every missed bug is a learning opportunity and it should be seen as that. It shouldn't be seen as that blame culture and it's a wrong way to do that. And as we've said, we should that should be called out. You know, it's a learning opportunity and you can then, as Simon just said, can look at all parts of the project. If it is a particularly major or severe uh, bug that was missed, let's look at why it was missed so early. Let's look at every part. And that can actually help with not just with the testing part, but the, but the future projects that actually occur. And the, the key thing about that is everyone involved in that particular project then has experience of that. So therefore, it's unlikely to happen again. And if they go to different companies or different groups, then they will remember that. And as long as there's a sort of a lessons learned or they can take that forward and be listened to, then it shouldn't happen again in future projects. But in any case, there will be repercussions. There will be some sort of effect on the project. And that might mean potentially more tests being done, more rigorous tests done earlier, more unit tests, which will have a rate, have an effect on sort of cost and time potentially. But if it avoids the embarrassment of the, the bug being released into production, then so be it. But there has to be a consequence, but it shouldn't be put at the, the, the door of one particular person or one particular group. It's a collaborative thing. It is a team completely. There's um, a thing that my old company used to do really like regarding, they had actually have meetings that much like RCAs, but they, they'd go along the lines of saying, how would we react to this thing happening? And how would we prevent it happening in the future? They would actually have like a bunch of different stakeholders or people or subject matter experts in those bits. They'd have events and they'd go over these things proactively whenever anything happened either they would have imagined scenarios or real life scenarios and they'd actually cover those things. And, and I, I, I happen to play football manager quite a lot. And in, in that, that world, you, you recruit a physio who has one of two different ways of looking after your players. You have those that rehab a situation and those that prevent a situation. And almost always the rehabbing of a player from an injury is has a much longer painful recovery from a problem than the work put in beforehand to prevent that issue. That there's there's quite a lot of parallels with that. To spending that time up front to come up with ideas, be it through risk storming or through talking about risks and things up front, involving the right people in those discussions early. Now I know that doesn't help us when something goes live, but that's now information that we can feed into new work that we're doing to, to prevent it going forward. Now, the question could be, this happened before. It's happened again. Why didn't we learn from that? That's a different conversation. And still, it's a learning opportunity. Yeah, I think you're, I think you're right. But I mean, again, a lot of the, the scenarios where it hap it's happened once, it's happened twice. They will be completely different scenarios. It, it for, to the outside world, or to, not to the outside world, to the to the powers that be outside of the delivery team. They'll see that as two as, as two of the same, and therefore, you know, we're all doing something fundamentally wrong. Whereas when you take into consideration the amount of tests or the amount of time taken to 
develop the code and whatever on different projects and the complexities and and everything else put in place you may find that these are two very separate very distinct issues by different people development test bas whoever and it just so happens that it looks to the outside of that team that it's two of the same i think it's it does come down to that whole thing of communication internally and externally to the team as well and, and how things are articulated outside how you are communicating risks outside of the team I, this is part of the reason why I, I moved towards a, a risk-based testing approach being my preference if we were time boxed to releases and stuff a while back because you very quickly found a way of articulating that risk up front and saying right we're only testing against the major risks anything that's not a major risk is therefore something we're gonna accept the risk on and as long as you get that buy-in from senior senior members of the of the project and and, and wider they take that acknowledgement and they take on the onus of what well, if something happens in those lower areas then we acknowledged that risk at the start we accepted that risk therefore we're going to have to deal with it and you get that team i don't know what's the word collaboration that team and um, collective view on it and buy-in at that point i think lots of what we've discussed here is often it comes down to communication communication from the very start of projects communication between people within the teams you know using simon's example about looking back at, at everything else and and the fact that they had evidence if the you know stakeholders were aware of that at the beginning then they might not have let that through but because the communication wasn't there in that particular scenario maybe that is why it was missed and so therefore it was allowed to be released into production i think that often communication is the main part of it and unfortunately sometimes we have to to show our communication to show that it, we aren't to blame that it isn't our fault but unfortunately that's part of the world uh, that there is a potentially a blame culture at times and so therefore we do need to have that evidence which is a bit of a shame but it, it's all part of life it's one of the three pillars of empiricism isn't it transparency which is which is to do with those so we, we talk you know inspecting something's going wrong make a, adapting and then transparency and and maybe doing something that you feel like you shouldn't have to do but doing it because it's communicating and it's making everything obvious early so we're learning about something making a change and then communicating it that that's possibly the part of scrum that most resonates with me and and with this situation for me and what you're trying to do is is, is yes you're trying to cover your back of course but you're also trying to make it so everyone is aware and it is clear and it is open so that we can avoid this sort of thing rather than i'm saying this thing because you're making a bad call and that's going to bite you in the ass. And then I can point to that later and point and say, ha, 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 told you. That doesn't really help the situation. Realistically, it's so we can push it and say transparently, this is a problem. But And that, there's an art to that in the way that you deliver that, isn't there? Because there can be politics in, in the workplace where people do stuff in public to embarrass or chastise or to, to show that they're the big, loud voice. And so... Actually, the, the art, the soft skill of being tactful, being pragmatic, being able to communicate, but empathetically with people is something that 
is hugely underrated and and ultimately i think this is the point we're getting to is if if we are able to identify these things getting those things across a very difficult wall or path it's it's not easy is it agreed it's not and it's a it's finding those like you say finding those paths through through the scenarios in in the right way in the right mannerisms without being confrontational or like that um have any of you ever been in the scenario where it actually has been an issue with the quality of the testing that's caused it and actually everything else has pointed to that fact the reason the reason i ask is because i did have a scenario a few years ago where actually the competency of the individual who was doing the testing and it it wasn't necessarily down to their they were they were they were junior but they thought they were better than they were and they were very confident in that and it probably was down to a fact that because we were stretched on other stuff we didn't have enough resources to to support and oversee and and review and whatever else but the requirements were all there it was all laid out for them they knew the scope of the testing and they just didn't do some of the testing and that was where the defect was found and that even then go back to what Chris was saying about, you know, the not getting into the politics of it all. I still, as a lead, as a, as a manager at that point, did everything I could to defend my team and support my team and used it as an opportunity to, to, to train and learn more with the team to make sure that we were in a better position next time. But then you had that whole thing of they've lost confidence in our ability now, because even though I've defended as much as I could, there'd been discussions around the fact that, well, testing missed it how do we know they're not going to miss it next time so i'm then in all these discussions of it's not going to be missed next time because we've done everything we can we've changed the process we've improved the way we do things we're doing more reviews etc so yeah it's it was a painful process and i felt for the tester at the time but it was genuinely he'd made he had made a decision at that point that he wasn't going to do that testing um even though we'd scoped it all out it was all scoped out, but he decided he wasn't doing that testing as part of the release and he'd just gone with it. So, yeah, that was why I asked, you know, there, there was a genuine reason we missed it because it wasn't tested because somebody decided not to run those tests. I'm going to be the RCA guy here and go, why? <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. And that's why we had those discussions. And I said, and that's when we said, why was the decision made in isolation? Was, was, was my first question on that. It was, you know, why were you not sharing that with others? Culture quality will fix these things, obviously. <laughs> I I struggle with the concept that if I worked in a company where someone went, it's a tester's fault, no matter what the bug was, the first reaction was it's a tester's fault. I'd ever be trying to change that culture yes, to absolutely. move that impediment. But if that was the dev manager's reaction and the other people I was, my co-workers and that developers I was with, and that was the institutional culture. I would be doing one of two things, changing it or leaving it. Because <laughs> yeah, it fundamentally goes against my kind of, I guess, belief system, for want of a better phrase, about how quality is. I, I talked about there, like that scenario there. There was almost certainly one of the critical factors was that tester. But there's things that led up to that tester making those choices. And there are other factors and other places that could have been caught. And so understanding that, I think, is really, really important. But yeah, there is a time where people do make mistakes. Yeah, and we absolutely. are human. And that comes on to the whole being a place where mistakes are allowed to happen. 
If you empower people, they will make mistakes because we're all human beings. And you've got to accept that and you've got to work with it. But if you chastise, mm. you're not, you're not going to have an empowered team. I think David no. said this sort of thing before. Yeah, absolutely. Agreed. I think this is probably a topic we could talk on for hours. But I think it's probably time to call it to a close now. So thank you guys for a very productive discussion. If anyone wants to get in touch and talk to us more about this topic, we are available on all the usual channels. So contact us at testingpeers.com. We're at Testing Peers on most of the socials. So LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Just just reach out. We're, we're always happy to, to hear your feedback. And <laughs> we're always happy to, to talk to more of you. If you do fancy supporting us we do have a patron with a few tiers on there patreon.com slash testing peers thank you again to our sponsor saffron qa and the continued support they provide with that thank you everyone for listening and we'll speak to you all next time for now it's goodbye from the testing peers goodbye Goodbye.